This is Unplugged, 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 Unplugged. Welcome to this episode of Unplugged. We have been on this journey to discern what to expect in 2023 and how to be better equipped for the journey ahead of us this year. And we are trying to discern and build this foundation, this approach that we want to use to equip ourselves for this journey in 2023 through scripture. That is through the lens of the word of the living God or through the lens of the living word of God. You know, the Bible says that the word of God is is living. It's not dead. It's living. And if you read the Bible, you will see that the things that were spoken, written 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, you know, just keep going back in time, they still have relevance. They are still alive today. Almost seems that, you know, they, they, these words are like wine. You know, they age like fine wine. The, the, the better, the more the years go by, the better and more applicable these words become to us. So in Hebrews chapter four, it talks about that the word of God is quick. That means the word of God is leaving. Hebrews chapter four, verses 12, it says the word of God is leaving and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Meaning the word of God has the power and the capacity to divide soul and spirit soul and spirit soul and spirit are so similar the resemblance is pretty you know there's a very tight resemblance that's why some people believe so they're so close that some people don't even believe that human beings have a spirit they think that we have a soul but we are three parts we have a spirit we have a soul and we live in a body so it says the word of God can be used to discern between soul and spirit. It says between joints and marrow. And you can use the word of God to discern thoughts and intents of the heart. Wow. So you can use it to discern between what you're thinking up here in your mind and what you're believing down here in your heart. Now, it also says, you know, I like to read around scripture. By the way, this is just the intro. As I always like to say, it's very interesting that I come on air and I'm, you know, I have set my GPS coordinates and more times than not, I get interrupted by the Holy Ghost. That is the Holy Spirit. 
So when I'm reading scripture for context, it's always good to read around the neighborhood. So in verse 13, it says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Um, wow. I mean, let me just, let me just read this other part here. Let me just keep reading. Say, seeing then that we have a great high priest, it's talking about Jesus Christ, our high priest, says that he's passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession or our confession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now, this is this is talking about how the reasons why Jesus can be high priest and also judge is because just like us, you know, he was a son of God, came down as a son of man and grew up as a son of man. And so he was tested in all points. Everything you're being tested with in life right now, everything that will test you in 2023. Jesus has gone through that. He has, he has that experience. It says, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Because of that, he's made allowance that you can therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, the throne of God, that you will obtain mercy and find grace to help you in the time of your need. That is just a word of admonition as I got um, interrupted. <laughs> I don't know who that was for, but so anyways, let, let me try to get on track here because we've, we've got a beautiful destination we're heading to today. So again, we're talking about, we're trying to discern what should be our, what should be our approach what should we expect in 2023? You know, all of us, it's our first time coming into 2023. So you do not know what's coming, but you can actually, you can predict uh, based on the trends of the times. I say that right now, uh, the scripture talks about the sons of Issachar, who knew how to discern the times and to know what Israel ought to do. So right now in this day and age, the person who's mindful of three calendars has is basically going to be living on a sure foundation, knowing what is heaven's agenda, what is, um, where is your life's agenda, and what is Earth's agenda, the timeline of the Earth. The events that are happening in the Earth can help you time stamp where heaven's agenda is right now because heaven just heaven doesn't say like in 2023 this will happen heaven will tell you that in in a certain period of time 
in the last days or the beginning of time. So it uses that, but then it tells you when this is happening, this is how you can know where you are on this timeline. And so you use the events of the earth to timestamp and know, okay, based on heaven's agenda and timeline, this is where we're at. Now, it's very interesting that the other day I saw the, the, the scientists who have what is called the doomsday clock, they set it to eight, eight seconds to midnight. Midnight is what they call you know, catastrophe, doomsday, or whatever, or if you want to call it Armageddon, whatever. So based on the 12 o'clock, based on the events happening in the world, they either can set the clock at two minutes or whatever. But right now, according to them, the clock, the doomsday clock has been set eight seconds to midnight. Yeah, eight seconds. Eight seconds or eight minutes? No, it's eight seconds. Anyways, so today I, I want us to touch on another tool of guidance that you need to activate this year. And this is on the kind of mindset that you need to have. Your mindset needs to shift this year and how. So I'm going to address Christians. Now, I do know sometimes I run into people who are not Christians, who are non-believers, and, you know, they might ask and, you know, want, once I'm talking to certain people, the, um, the podcast might come up. And so um, I will address both Christians and non-Christians because there's some parallels here. But the kind of mindset that you need to have, your mindset needs to change. What kind of mindset should you have for 2023? Uh, because it starts with the mind. The battle is won in the mind. Uh, we've all heard this so many times. The battle is won in the mind. The battle is in the mind. The battle is in the mind. You can't go where you can't see. You've read, you've read enough self-help books on this. So, um, Knowing that, what mindset should we approach 2023 with? What kind of mindset? Since we're, the lens that we're using to approach 2023 is through the lens of the Word of God, the living Word of God, because we're believing, we believe that the Word of God is true. And the book of Revelation says the words, it says he who is who was and who is to come right now uh when john the uh, saint john receives a revelation both of the word of god and of jesus christ the living word of god he says jesus is who is who was and who is to come and says write these things down which are and which are to come which shall happen hereafter so the word of god is able to give us understanding on three kind of timelines you know the past the present the future so that's that's the approach it's something i want us to to to, to capture in, in how what to expect in 2021 what kind of mindset we really need to have so if you're christian this applies to you 
if you're non-Christian, non-believer, this also applies to you. And you might want to switch sides to get more understanding. But anyways, let's go. So because no matter what perspective you look at when it comes to, 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 to our mindset, no matter the perspective you look at this uh, point from, you know, both groups are still missing it. Both Christians and non-Christians are both still missing it. What do I mean? Okay, from a God-believing perspective or point of view, most Christians aren't walking in their God calling. Meaning they still haven't figured out why they are here, why they were created, why God put them on this earth at this time in the 21st century, 2023. Why are you still around? Why are you still around? Why is your engine still on? Why is your heart still beating? We shall have another time to really dive into. Um, as a Christian, you need to start focusing your mind on the reward of heaven, on the on the, your mindset on things that are above. I think we touched that in one of the last episodes, one of the last couple of episodes. There's a mindset that you need which is to start focusing your mind on things that are above, you know, not only focusing on earthly riches, but heavenly riches. Jesus talked about this. He said, set your mind on things. Paul says, set your mind on things that are above. That's in Colossians. Let, let, let me find that Colossians chapter three, verses 20. It says, Is it Colossians? Help me out here. Holy Spirit. Colossians chapter 3 verses 2 says, If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Okay, so that that's that's a call to action. And then Jesus also said, uh, don't store for yourself riches on the earth where moth and rust do corrupt and thieves can come in and steal, but set your your but 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 set your heart on riches of heaven, store for yourself riches in heaven where there's no moth where there's no rust and thieves can't come in and steal those things. So from a God-believing perspective or point of view, most Christians aren't walking in their God calling, meaning they still haven't figured out why they were created and why God put them on this earth. They're still buying time. We, we, we keep kicking this can down the road, you know, uh, because we keep thinking, I need to first get out of this mess. I need to first get out of this financial mess. I need to first, you know, figure out the issue of my mortgage, figure out my marriage partner, figure out this business. And then at certain point, you know, when I'm retired, then I will start to do charity. I'll start to go on mission trips. That is a very dangerous way to live. 
because you might be giving your strength, the strength of your youth to other things. And by the time you figure out your God calling, if you if you keep on kicking this can down the road and you finally figure out what God has called you to do, let's say you're 55, you're 60, you're 70, you might not have the energy to start pursuing that. So you might be too late in the game to put any points on the board. You think of it. Think of like a sports team. You know, they start the game like a daisy ago. They're down five goals. And then they start to make a comeback in the last 10 minutes of the game. You may, you may not have enough time, enough energy to score and put enough points on the board. So as Christians, we keep kicking this can down the road and not really wanting to confront this question to really resolve it. Why am I here? Why have I been called? Why, why is my heart still beating? Why, for some reason, why did that accident kill that person and did not kill you like you were just right there but few seconds earlier on or a few seconds later could have been you um why are you still healthy why it's there's a bigger reason behind our existence and so there's a challenge of coming out of the rat race of coming out of 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 stopping you know, we, we, there's a mindset we have of like, let me first stop the bleeding. Or let, 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 let me first put a band-aid here. But how many years? How many years can you keep just putting the band-aid and saying, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. How many years, you know, are, are you going to wake up and, and not have that answer? sort it out in your heart to be like this is what this is why i'm here this is why i'm here you know and then for people who don't even believe in god you know so they also still you are still not walking in what you believe is your dream as well that's what i'm saying so both parties um need to settle this you know, for, 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 for if you don't believe in God, so you don't believe that these are specific reasons as to why you were created or why you're here, uh, they still biggest percentage of people who are not walking in alignment with their dreams. So you're still not pursuing your dream. So now... We have about at least 80% of the world population, the population of this world, that is living out of alignment, either not in alignment with what God has created them to do or called them to do. And others who don't believe in God are still not walking or following their dreams. So you can see why the world has so many problems. We have so many problems because of this. We have people who are supposed to be teachers that aren't teachers. We have people who could be more passionate doctors, 
that aren't pursuing being doctors anymore. We have people who should be handymen or craftsmen or whatever, but they aren't doing this because perhaps everyone thinks they should be in tech. You see, that's the problem. What you think being persuaded to pursue a career because it's the selling thing will not be satisfying when your time is up here, whether you believe in God or not. In those moments, in those last moments when where all the eight years of you, of your life, 90, however, however old, old you will be by the time you take your last breath, it will come down to, do I believe I, I'm satisfied with what I'm leaving behind, with the canvas of my life. Am I satisfied? Am I truly satisfied? This is a question that confronts everybody. Those who believe in God and those who don't. So the world has so many problems because everybody's walking in misalignment. So my challenge, what I what I want to what I want what I want to challenge you is to say, you know what, I can't keep kicking the can further down the road. I just can't. I need to deal with this. You know, there's people who, for whatever reason, maybe they they only had you know, they only lived, let's say, for 50 years and another person lived for 90 years, but now the person who lived for 40 extra years had nothing to show for it. That they were walking around dead, walking dead or living, yeah, walking dead. It's purpose, it's meaning, it's, 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 it's this thing that you need to resolve. And I'm going somewhere. Stick with me. I'm going somewhere. So, because the current trend right now is tech, technology. So, you have a lot of people giving up uh, blue collar because perhaps it may not pay as much. But again, that is a very... Uh, limited point of view. Don't go to tech because tech is what is selling. This is the problem with our world right now. Everything is about what is selling. So we're giving out morality because immorality is selling. You know, appearing naked on Instagram or 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 or, or, or some form or shape on TikTok, uh, some, making a sensual video is what is selling. So you are discouraged from, from being a good, just genuine, soul-touching, reaching content creator. And you are persuaded into sensuality and lust and, 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 and that kind of content because that is what is selling. Oh boy, we're in trouble.
we're in trouble. We are in trouble. Don't go with what he's selling. Don't go with what he's selling. Don't become an Instagram influencer if because that is what he's selling. No, you need to confront this issue. Why am I here? God, what have you created me to do? Not what he's selling. What he's selling won't be what gives you comfort when you close your eyes on that day you take your last breath in this world it will be either a satisfaction or a disappointment that you didn't do what you really wanted to do Because right now it's all about what he's selling. What can get most views, most likes, most comments, most publicity? No. You know, so we have people with a genuine interest for the public. People that want to be policymakers. That could make good, faithful politicians that wouldn't want, that now don't even want to touch politics with a 10-foot pole because it's a game of manipulation. So if you're in politics and you're faithful and truthful, it's not a place for you right now. It has to be about how can you manipulate the people? How can you manipulate the game? How can you cut corners for big, you know, you know, the one percent or the, the the big corp, you know, the corporations, Wall Street, and this? If you come in with a genuine agenda, um, good luck. It's happening in the business world. Company founders and entrepreneurs who could repair the economy but aren't given a chance by angel investors and venture capitalists because capital has become a game of, spe of speculation. If your company pitch deck or business proposal isn't projecting a billion dollars in revenue, you are at the bottom rung of interest from investors. Everyone wants to be the one with a company in their portfolio that is saying, yeah, I have a unicorn. I have a unicorn. This company is valued at a billion dollars. Unicorn. Valued. Not even bringing in those revenues, but just valued. So the foundations are really not good right now. I'm going somewhere. But we forget that blue collar was the backbone of white collar. Blue collar was the backbone of our, what has become our white collar society. It was. It was. The American dream, which you can extrapolate to your country, but we like to all, you know, for context, I mean, for easy illustration, the American dream, you know, was built by blue collar. Man, it was built by people who worked hard, man. People who rolled up their sleeves and wanted to work. People who followed their passion. People who don't, who didn't go for, 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 
for, for the easiest, for the quickest back. It was about solving people's problems, solving people's transportation problems. Man, before we had electric trains, you know, when you, you know, we can go back to the steam engines, man. Then we had coal. You know, this was what built the American dream. It was blue collar. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, we can't, we shouldn't appreciate white collar, but I'm saying I'm going somewhere. Stick with me. I'm going somewhere. We're going, we're going on a journey, baby. We're going on a journey. Stick with me. Stick with me. We're going somewhere. Um, hopefully we'll have enough time, but we're going somewhere. So if the American dream, if everybody went for what was sexy, we'll not have all the industries we have today. The point is that back those days, um, you had a lot of people who were passionate about every area, you know, of, 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 of every sector of life, you know, real organic farming, non GMOs, real organic, you know, you know, farming, not trying to make, you know, like, like, like farming was, was not just about, uh, how first can you pump them out? You know, it, it was, it was, it was all about, you know, you know, the care, the, the, the nurture of, 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 of farming, you know, the heart was in it, you know, People did things because they were passionate about it. You talk about the grain fields, man. You talk about vineyards, talk about fruit. We had good quality products, man, built to last. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. This, this was the American dream. It was built on blue collar. It was built on people rolling up their sleeves, you know, and, and, and defending you know, what they believed in. You know, people think that you can have peace without war. It's impossible. The peace that we enjoy today, you know, someone had to fight for it. Someone had to fight for it. You know, even the, 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 the fruit the luxury that I walk in as a, as, as, as a Christian in my faith, meaning, meaning the, 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 the promise of heaven, of eternal life, of, of spending eternity in heaven, of walking in the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ, he had to fight for it. So even the serendipity, the, 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 the the lure of christianity the lure of this faith the the all the good things that you appreciate about it that when we get to heaven there'll be no death there'll be no sickness there'll be no pain there'll be no crying all of this someone had to fight for it and he didn't just do what was sexy he rolled up his sleeves so we we need for people to get back in alignment. People really need to, we need everybody to kind of roll up their sleeves and say, it's not gonna be the government that is gonna solve everybody's problems. No, we are the government. 
So I have a part to play. You have a, a part to play. But the bigger picture is that we need you to play your role. We need you to figure out why are you here. We need more people not just breathing air and just going with the flow, just, you know, flowing in the direction of what is sexy, what is popular. Now we need people to roll up their sleeves, man. The American dream was built on blue collar. Never forget that. So before you can build big, you need, you have to start small. Again, I'm going somewhere. Stick with me, I'm going somewhere. Before you can build big, you have to start small. The way our economies are going to, are the, the only way they can be fixed is not from the top-down approach that governments are proposing. Now, because the problems have swept across and are massive, you know, they're kind of wide scale, the, the mindset to solve this problem normally then becomes you need to solve it top down. But that's not the way our economies are going to be fixed. It's not going to be top down. Because you see, no economy, no country, no faith, which I'll prove in this um as we go along because a lot of these things are on my uh gps coordinates of where we're going so i'll be taking some stops along the way so the way the economy was built the economy was not built top down again the economy was not built white collar blue collar the economy was built blue collar, white collar. Blue collar was the foundation. So the economy wasn't built top down. It was built bottom up. So it's going to have to be a mindset of the only way you can fix something is the way it was built. So it's going to have to be a mindset of, uh, of, 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 of bottom up because that's how these economies were built. You don't fix a tree you don't fix the fruit of a tree by just cutting off the fruit. No, you prune. All, pr all pruning happens behind the fruit. If the root isn't dealt with, the fruit will always appear in a sense of if you don't deal with the root issue, you will have bad fruit. If you have good roots, you'll have good fruit. If you have bad roots, you'll have bad fruit. It's that simple. Now, there's a very interesting parable that Jesus used in one of the Gospels. And in fact, he's saying, if you don't understand this parable, you can't understand any of his other parables. It's called the parable of the sower. And I'm going to read it from the gospel of Mark. And I spent some time meditating on it and trying, 
really trying to understand how it could apply to every area of our lives. And I, I saw some things that I'd never seen before. I saw how this one parable can apply to every area of our individual lives, our cities, our culture, our economies. I mean, I was just mind blown. I was. In the context of God the Father, the living God, Jehovah, being the creator, we need to give him benefit of doubt. You know, we need to give him benefit of the doubt that perhaps he knows a thing or two about what he created and what works and what doesn't. I'm just saying. So the more that you, that I look at how Jesus thought or how he communicated his thoughts, his teachings are so profound that I'm yet to find a place where even when he just answered you like in a one-liner, just shot straight back at you, I'm yet to find a place where he didn't leave you wondering and challenging your reasoning. Like he was always about trying to, you know, Jesus will change your perspective and, and make you see things from like a, a root point of view. You know, from a, from a point of view of trying to understand the bigger picture, the why. You might come at, you might come to him saying, well, according to the law of Moses, this is what he says. And says, okay, that's what he says. But how about this? And you'll see that for you, you're reading, you're taking the law of Moses and you're missing that you could still be applying the law of Moses, but you could still be missing the the reasoning, the purpose of why that law was even put in place. So let's let's talk about the parable of the sower. And you'll see that some of the principles that he talks about should be our mindset for 2023. The principles, the foundations, the 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 point of view of the parable of the sower, man, it, it's so profound. It's something that I believe you can take across the board. Now, before we before we dive into that, perhaps just to, as as we segue into the parable of the sower, now let, let me, again, just touch, you know, just expound on this whole concept of top down versus bottom up isn't it interesting that even god the creator and the father of us who believe in him the way he wanted to introduce us to himself he didn't do it like top down he didn't use that approach in fact when god was God the, God the creator and father was introducing himself to humanity. He did it bottom up. So here's God in heaven on his majestic, glorious throne. And he sends his son, Jesus Christ. Now, who at this point was the son of God? But he sends him as a man, 
Do you see what I mean? He sends him as a man to have first-hand experience of being a man and a man living in a fallen world and being in touch with man's problems that came from the fall of creation. And what's interesting is that Adam was created as an adult. Jesus Christ did not come as an adult. Jesus Christ came as a baby, grew up into a child, into a young boy, and then a teenager, and then a youth, and then an adult. It was when that he had become an adult, when he became an adult, that he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, that God the Father then gave him full authority to start, you know, exerting his divine abilities or walking in the divine ability of God. It was until he had tested all the phases of man. So when God was introducing us to himself, it was a bottom-up bottom approach. So it's interesting, even the kingdom of heaven works this way. It's a bottom-up approach. And that should be our mindset when we're looking at the world, when we're trying to deal with our problems, when we're trying to live visions and dreams and all. It's, it's, it's a bottom-up approach. Meaning we have to appreciate the time we spend at the bottom. There's something about, you know, even if you want to talk about publicity and all of that, you know, if in one day you have, I don't know, a million followers, you know, let's say one heat wonder. There's something that that steals from you. There's an experience in life that that steals from you. Bottom up really gives you the full experience. Before you become a master, you're a servant. You know, you're an apprenticeship. You're not, you are an apprentice. That was the approach that even God used to reveal himself to us. It was a bottom-up approach. Jesus Christ was a baby to a child, a young boy, a teenager, a youth, then an adult. Adam was denied this, and it's what got him into trouble. The first person created, Adam, was created as an adult, as an adult male. And so was the first woman, Eve. She was created as an adult female. There was an experience and maturity and growth and exposure that they were denied, that was stolen from them. So we can say that this top-down approach failed. And Jesus wasn't sent as an adult. He was sent as a baby and then grew, dealt with the, had this first-hand experience of what it means to be a man in a fallen world. So, where am I going with this? Stay with me. 
By the time we start diving into the parable of the sower, you will see it. I want you to be able to apply this parable to as many areas of your life as, as possibly as you can and use it as a mindset. Use it as a, use this parable to tune your mindset for 2023. You can use it for business, for marriage, for friendship, relationship, economies, policy. So let us dive into this parable and see how the Holy Spirit leads us. So I'm going to be reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, the parable of the sower. This is it, guys. This is this is the parable that unlocks all mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. It helps you to understand how heaven operates, how the world operates, how to look at the world, how to approach life. So the parable of the sower. Now, you've had a lot of things about it, but I'll be trying to shine light on different applications in our lives so that you can see, so you can know how to apply it. But I'll first read it out. And then I'll pick two key pillars that I see in it. And then I'll try to just now start to use different examples of our lives and, and things we deal with daily. Okay? Off we go. Mark chapter 4. This is Jesus speaking. And again, he began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him. So that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside. And the birds of the air came and devoured, devoured it. And the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some seeds fell on stony ground where it didn't have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns grew up and chalked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground, and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 10. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. And he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. And he, he said to them, 
Now he's, he starts to explain the parable. I, I, I'm going to read all of it, and then we shall start diving and dissecting it. it. says, and he said to them, do you not understand this parable? <laughs> do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Then he says, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Then he goes to category number three, verse 18. Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things entering in, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, they accept it and bear fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100. Now, when I read that, um, <laughs> you are probably saying, how does this apply? Okay. Now, let us start dissecting it. So, the context or the first lens to, to, to really look at this and, 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 and really discern the context, the, the bigger picture of this is this. When you looked at the seeds that bore fruit, that, that bought forth fruit, and those that didn't, the kinds of grounds, what separated them was two things. Is, and the answer really is in, in the third category. Actually, the second category, it tells you those that fell on the stony ground, they had not much earth and immediately sprang up because it had no depth of earth. When the sun was up, it was scorched because it had no root. And because it had no root, it withered, it withered away. So whatever it is that we're trying to do as a society, culture, whatever it is as you, that you want to do as a, as a husband, as a wife, as a boyfriend, as a girlfriend, as a partner, as a spouse, as a teacher, as a politician, as a president. It says that all things, the only way something is going to bear fruit is if it has root and depth. Here it says the reason the, the, good, the, the good ground is defined as that which had you know, where, where when the seeds were able to get on there, they had, they, they had root and depth of earth. Now, so I was, I was meditating on this. Let me take, um, let me take relationships. I'll start off there. I'll use an example of 
marriage, relationships, careers, economies. Let me let me just start off with let's say relationships. In the context, you see, in the context of a relationship, you could say, okay, a relationship that is sold or built on the on on the foundation. So I want you to consider the different types of ground as a foundation, right? So you can have a a, a foundation of a relationship which is wayside, right? Or it can be stony ground, or it can have thorns in it, or it can be good ground. Now, to really know what kind of relationship mindset, for instance, you could have for this year could be this. See, You see, for instance, you will be surprised that time and time again, you'll see celebrities you know, how can the top shot of that industry and the top shot of this industry, how, how, how possible is it that you can put them together and they still fail to work? You see, because that is a relationship that is not built on good ground. That relationship has no root and depth. That relationship was built on uh, red carpet compatibility, meaning... If I'm walking on the red carpet, you also walking on the red carpet. If we put two together, your fans plus my fans, it means it will affect, it will result into uh, compassion, loyalty at home. That somehow your fans and my fans, somehow that will affect, it will turn into good character between us when we're at home, when we have an argument. You see, that relationship is not built, is not a relationship that is built on good ground. So it can never bear good fruit. It cannot. And in fact, if you take that relationship, now, let me leave the celebrity alone. Let's talk about you and me. L look at your relationships, your, your, your relationships, or maybe your friendships. How, how are they going to benefit you? The people that you're friends with, do, you do they have root? Do they have depth? What kind of friendships or relationships do you have? Are they built on root and depth? I met, I met, a, I met a, a, a young girl one time by the water, and uh, I had a chance. These were two teenagers, two very young girls. And so, actually, I, I was seated by the water. I was just, you know, just enjoying the ocean. And they're the ones who came in and sat next to me. And I, I started eavesdropping, you know, you know, some we all do it. Um, people are talking, and you know, the conversation became interesting. Uh, they were talking about friendships, and one of them was saying they don't have many friends and this and that. So eventually I told them, I said, listen. Um, eventually I joined in the conversation and I started to talk to them. And I explained to one and said, listen. Build, find friends who have root and depth. Don't build your friendships on parties and who you can smoke with and who you can, um, you know, just have a, a sensual time with, maybe a good time at the club or, um, you know, 
friends. I told her that the friendships that are going to carry you through life, the friendships that will have meaning. Because I told her, listen, a lot of the people that I was friends with, I'm not friends with anymore. Because my meaning of life has changed. You know, what matters to me in life has changed. So uh, my friends are not, I don't need friends, you know, the, you know, we call them preach me happy. You know, I don't need friends who, who are just going to give me an each of excitement. Because when life gets real, you need someone in the trenches with you. So if you built a friendship and it sprung up and that friendship was a friendship built on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it springs up because of excitement, because y'all can have a good time on Saturday, go to the club, maybe smoke, get high, do whatever. Um, that's a friendship that has no real depth of earth. Because a testing of the friendship will come. And when Jesus is explaining why these different seeds that were sown in different grounds, the different atmospheres where these relationships were built, why they why they why they could not bear any fruit, he starts to show you. He says, Okay, let's look at the ones a friendship on stony ground. It says this friendship immediately sprang up. But it was because it had no depth of earth. But the problem is that when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. So if you go, if you look at how some, some of the things that Jesus talks about that caused this relationship not to bear fruit in your life is because it says, and these have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises, for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. So when you go through affliction in your life, when you go through persecution, you will see that these people will not stick around. Because perhaps the persecution and affliction affects, taints the picture of you know, popularity. So you can see that in the context of friendship, your mindset should not be on like, okay, I'm friends with this person because, you know, they agree to everything I say or they're the ones that I can call on to when I want to get drunk or when I get high, when I want to do something, you know, just something fleshy. You know, because that friendship will be tested and it will not stand. It eventually will not stand. And now you'll be in a place where you feel depressed and lonely and you have no one who can really truly sit down and hear you out. That's a problem. When you build a friendship with no root and depth. You know, it's okay to have acquaintances and things like that, but real friendships are the people who know some of your the things that are deep in your life, the things that matter to you the most. So I was challenging these two girls and was telling them, right now, um, I was I was telling them right now the person you know, Mrs. Popular or Mr. Popular, you know, you might think that 
the people who are getting invited to parties and whatever, like, oh, that you want those kind of friends and and you feel like you're missing out. But it's like, find you some people who are going to be in the trenches with you when things hit the fun in your life, when you see bad news and, and, and just having fun can't solve that. But someone sticking with you and just riding out that season with you, that is a friendship that is built on good ground, that has root and depth. Same thing can apply to a marriage. You know, in the early stages of a marriage, you might not know the how you're going to be tempted, how you're going to be tried. But you may not know what kind of marriage you have until you start to actually see how it's being tested. Because let's say you built a marriage, you know, that is built on the ground, and then it says, let's say it says, when affliction or persecution arises, you know, let's say you built a marriage on, on, on physical attributes, on beauty, on she's beautiful, she's got these and she's got that, she's endowed here, she's endowed there, he's endowed, you know, he's this. He checks all the physical attributes that you want. But if that's the foundation of your marriage, then guess what? When affliction and persecution arises, that marriage or that relationship will not stand. What kind of affliction? What if he loses his job? You know, the economy right now. A lot of people are getting laid off. Even those who work at the big companies, big tech, people working at Facebook, Google, uh, Apple, this big Microsoft. I'm not sure if Apple has done any layoffs, but people working at big companies. So you started a relationship with this person because, yeah, they work for Microsoft, for Google, for Amazon. And now they get laid off. And now the six figures can't come in anymore. That means you are headed for destination disaster. You see what I mean? But if you started, if this foundation, if this relationship was built on, on, a, on a ground of good earth and what you considered first was the you know, the purpose-driven meaning of life. You know, so when affliction, when, when, when you hear from her that she's lost her job or something has happened to her or um, um, you know, she falls sick or he falls sick, you know, that that person can still stand with you. That person can still stand with you when affliction arises, when persecution arises. You know, how about, I like the other, you know, let's explore the other category. It says those which are sown 
among the thorns? Are they that such as hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things entering in, chop the word and it becomes unfruitful? Now, this is very interesting. The point of view, this one now, let me try to apply other examples. Okay. So, you are an investor, right? Now, you, you haven't sold your seed or let's say your capital on the West side. You haven't sold it in a company that let's say is going to spring up early, but has no depth of business model, whatever. Now, what's really interesting, what I've never really seen is that when you look at the parable of the sower, these two types of attacks that attack category, actually there's three kind of attacks. that attack the seeds that were sown. The first seeds were sown on the wayside. And it says they did not bear fruit because they didn't even have a chance. Because what happened is that the fowls of the air, they came in and devoured it up. The fowls of the air. So I'd never so when you look at it is whether it's a relationship, whether it's a policy, th that seed did not bear ground because it was already exposed. It, that seed could not even bear fruit. It was exposed to the enemy. It, it, it was just too exposed. Right? It was okay. So from a point of view of like let's say a business model, right? That idea is too exposed to the competition, meaning um, um, it's, you know, the, the, the competition, like it's easily seen, like it's, it's not meaning that everybody can see that that's the, you know, that's the path to do. Like that's, that's the thing to do. If you actually study innovation, you'll see that the innovation that ends up becoming the lay of the land were things when they were first innovated looked crazy and no one had really thought they said no one had really thought about it perhaps someone had thought about it but no one had really implemented it so its exposure to competition or to other eyes there's an attack which i'm calling visibility because there was already visibility with competition with the enemy with the files of the air that seed had no chance. That's like a relationship which from the moment you two just get to know each other, you're already posting each other on social media. You have not built enough root or depth. You know what I mean? Uh, there's already direct line of sight between that seed and the enemy. It's easy to attack. Now, that attack was like direct sight. Because the reason the birds of the air could get, they, 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 they saw it, they could see it. Now, there was another attack. Another attack also comes from the outside, which is the attack of the sun. It says the ones which were sown on the stony ground, when it says they grew up, they had not much earth, they sprung up. Uh, they immediately sprung up because they had no depth of earth. Now, it says that the sun, when the sun was up, it scorched, and it was scorched. 
and because it had no root, it withered away. This is an attack from the outside. If you see what I mean, this is opposition from the outside, from the external. So we've seen two types of attacks externally. What is very interesting is there was an attack from within, which is what killed the seeds that were sown that fell among the thorns. It says, because the thorns grew up and chalked it and yielded no fruit. And I think a lot of our society and culture today, this is where we have a lot of problems today. I mean, we have a lot of problems already with the first category and second category. But what I've never really seen is that the third category is more of like internal pressure, anxiety, character. Because let's say you are an investor and you invested in company. Okay, so you've missed the bullet of you've not sown your investment into a company that's whose business model is by the wayside, meaning every competition can see it. There's no secret ingredient, all of that. You've not sown on the stony ground, meaning when uh, there's no root or depth of business model. It can still quickly germinate and bring back some profits, but it cannot go the distance. Now, category number three is very interesting because it says it was sown among the thorns. When the thorns grew up, they chalked it. This was an this was an this is an internal attack. It's an attack from within. It came from under. If you look at the, the other two attacks, oppositions, they came from the outside. This one comes from the inside. So let's say the problem that we have right now with our policies is with investment and capital and all of this, is we invest in founders who perhaps have great ideas but they have no character. There's no character, like, like the people behind these companies, there's just no character on the inside of them. So as the company grows, and that's why it says, as the seeds grew, the thorns also grew and chalked it. So we end up not bearing fruit because the internal character has, there's no character on the inside of, of entrepreneurs that you've chosen to invest in. You've chosen to invest in the, oh, the projections, the billion dollar idea, whatever, but the man within has no root or depth. They have no compassion. They, they have no, there's no character. Character does not rank you highly right now in this day and age. So, if Jesus was making an investment, he would not make an investment on someone who has no character. Because to him, it says, you will not bear fruit. Because at a certain point, you're going to come against this kind of opposition. And it's in Mark chapter 4, verses 19. It says, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the last of other things entering in chalk the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Again, you can apply this to a relationship, to a friendship. Um, let's say a marriage, for instance. I don't know why I'm talking about marriages a lot today. But the deceitfulness, so, so, so when you see things like this, so deceitfulness of riches, last of other things, the cares of this world. So... This is a marriage that now is under pressure because of trying to keep up with the Joneses. 
they're trying to also have a five bedroom house. They're also trying to have a Tesla. They're also trying to have three Teslas because the neighbors next door have two Teslas. You also don't want to get a Tesla. You're trying to keep up with the Joneses. That's the deceitfulness of riches and the last of other things. They start to chalk your marriage. Now you're getting mortgages that you can't afford. You're getting cars and put, getting in debt because things you can't afford. So the marriage is chalked. Or it doesn't even have to be a marriage. It can just be you as a single person. You want to keep up with your friends because that person's career looks like he's generating them a lot of money. Maybe they're in tech. You also want to go to tech, but that's not what God called you to do. Maybe you're supposed to be dealing with children. We're supposed to be a, supposed to be a teacher. Maybe you're supposed to be a pilot. Maybe you're supposed to be a doctor. I don't know what it is, but even career. So you can apply it to your career. Have you built a career on root and depth? Does your career, what you're doing right now, does your job have any root in your heart? Because when affliction arises, when persecution arises, you will not stand. You will not bear fruit. When when the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, when they start to come in, they will chalk you. You'll not bear fruit. So is it a career? Does it have the work that you're doing? Does you really have heart and root? Is your heart attached to it? Or is it something you're doing just because? Because it will not bear fruit in the long run. It will not. It will not bear fruit. Is it an economic policy? Does this economic policy come down to the lowest levels of society, to the lowest ranking people and take care of them? Or does it only benefit people who are generating $250,000 of income? Do you see what I mean? So if your economic policy is drafted and it has no root or depth, it will not bear fruit for the economy. It will not. We shall still keep going back to the problems that we're still trying to deal with right now. So there has to be a mindset shift for you right now. Your mindset shift then becomes whatever I'm doing, the question becomes, is this rooted in good ground? What are the thorns? Like, um, what are the thorns? Are there any thorns? You know, or is this a shallow business model? Is this a shallow relationship? Is this is this an economic policy that you just want to deal with the two years of your last term of presidency? Like perhaps it can, you know, is this economic policy only going to, you know, like crank up the numbers on Wall Street? but not solve joblessness 
not help people who are at the bottom, not help people who are in middle class? Is it an economic policy that's just quickly going to uh, boost the numbers, boost the rankings? This mindset shift is huge. When you start to when you start to look at things that are um, from this perspective, that man, does this have root? Does this have earth? There's so many other examples that um, I, I, I perhaps will get into. Like we could we could you know every context we could literally apply this to every context. The economy we could put those policies. We could bring them on air. And I want to sit down with these people. I want to ask them, this is your kind of policy. These are the problems. Does this policy show me? Does it come to the root? Does it come to, is it rooted? Is it something? What is the, what is the timeline of fruit? Like we're trying to bear fruit. Like it's not just to boost up your rankings, your, 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 your approval numbers. You could apply this mindset. And you could be able to be like, no, 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 that's not a politician. I'm gonna get on. I'm gonna get behind. That is not a relationship. I'm gonna get into. Uh, that is not uh, uh, someone I'm gonna do business with. Even as an entrepreneur and a founder, you can say that is not a business model I'm going to pursue. Because right now, you might be looking at a quick bringing, you know, easy to bring in back business model but then you look at a business model and say this business model is exposed to the files of the air to the competition anyone can start up a business the next day look at what i've done and do the same thing and the margins will be gone in one year in two years and then what you want to build something that has root that's what's going to bear fruit and then we start to look at the cultures what are the characters who are the people behind these business models do they have thorns in them? What is their incentive? Is, is someone building a business? Because it says the cares of this world or the deceitfulness of riches. Are you building a business just to be rich? We need to go deeper. We need to go deeper. It's not just to build a business to be like, man, I'm just trying to get me out of, you know, out of the hood or whatever it is like, you know, uh, is it just to get rich or is something that is to fundamentally solve a problem? And then as a result of changing and touching people's lives, yes, you become rich. This is the kind of mindset we need to have. This is the kind of mindset we need to have. And... We'll see. We'll see how I'll 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 touch best with the with the Lord. I'll touch best with the Holy Spirit. And if the Lord wants me to continue on this subject, really, for us to really now start talking about this parable of the sower and like different things that you should consider, different areas and avenues of life, then but yeah. There are fundamental principles in this parable that can drastically change your 2023, how you approach it, the kind of mindset shift that you need, you know, um, just across every area of life. So 
once again, this was Unplugged. We hope this episode blessed your heart. Your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. Sella.